You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. So Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We don't want to overlook this moment. We don't want to pass by this moment too quickly. We are so grateful that you are here. And your word says that we cannot come in one gate and walk out the same. So we thank you this morning that whatever was on us when we came in here, whatever might be weighing anyone down this morning, whatever uh, anyone in here might be struggling with this morning, as we walk into your presence, I thank you we will walk out free. We will walk out in rest, knowing, knowing confidently that you have already taken care of it. And when we leave this place, we will walk onto a battlefield only to collect the spoils of the victory you won for us. So this morning, Father, we rest in the finished work of Jesus. We rest in all that he's done for us. And we thank you for being who only you could be, our Heavenly Father. And we thank you for our Lord in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I will be mindful of the time. Um, I will be mindful of the time. Uh, But man, (laughs) I'm so excited. In fact, I was preparing this message and I actually was going to talk about giving thanks. If you read the blog, um, and it's MatthewEdwards.cc, if you read our blog, what I did was I was um, meditating on just giving things to God. And the more I was writing, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to this. And I've shared some of it in the past before, but the more I was writing and meditating, God just kept giving me more. So I came into this Sunday prepared to talk about how God multiplies his supply in your life as you are thankful. And so that's obviously going to have to be shared at another time, because as I was, as I was preparing at 9.15 last night, none of those notes were working. And I just have these moments where I'm preparing for service and I can always tell, like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is good. But I just don't feel like the Lord is like, that's not it. And so I won't give you all the details of my stressful night last night. Suffice to say this, I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> and I had a headache when I came into church, but my mother is never wrong. She said, when the anointing comes on you, if you have a headache, it will pass. In fact, there have been times where I've had horrible back pains. I come into church and I'm like, God, I don't know how I'm going to preach. Then I jump up and I preach and the anointing comes and you forget you had back pain. And then when you finish the service, you're like, I had back pain before this. So my headache is gone by the grace of God. And I'm excited. And I'm glad you're here. Are you excited? Oh, man. I can't wait to the end of the message because that's the good part. But we got to get everyone there. So are you ready for this trip, this journey? All right, let's do it. Do you know that God wants to save you more than you want to be saved? Do you know that? Do you really believe it? God wants to save you more than you want to be saved. And I want you to do something for me, okay? From now on, whenever you see the word save, whenever we say the word save or salvation, I want you to just go ahead and translate it in your mind, okay? When I say the word save, most Christians, we do this. We say, uh, Jesus wants to save you. He's already saved me, all right? I'm already saved. And in our minds, we may not say it out loud, but in our minds, what we're saying is, I've already received Jesus Now I'm ready for the next part. But the problem with that is this. Do you know that Jesus, his name, his title is Savior. And the beauty of that title is this. He doesn't just save once. He saves for all eternity. In fact, think about this. And we say this a lot in this church. But let's say it again. The blood of Jesus is not just good enough for this life. Thank you for that thunderous amen. The blood of Jesus is not just good enough for this life. The Bible says in Hebrews, the blood of Christ is eternal. 
And if you go look up the word eternal, you'll find that eternal means eternity, meaning the blood of Christ is so good and is so powerful that once it hits you, you are good for the rest of eternity. Aren't you happy in heaven? One day, I'm happy in heaven. One day, Christina, she will say something and I'll know that I'm forgiven. She's not in here. <laughs> She's not in here. But, all right. Thank you, sir. So but my point is this, all right? Eternity means eternity. You have been set free from eternity, a lifetime and beyond of sin. God is so eager to save you and he wants to save us more than we want to be saved. But when you see the word save, replace it in your mind. Just go ahead and translate it as whatever you need from him, whatever you need. So if you're here this morning, you say, well, again, you know, I'm suffering with a sickness or an ailment. Jesus wants to save you. Well, I've already received Jesus. No, no, no. He wants to save you still. He's a savior. Let me ask you this. Basketball players, they do what? They play. All right. Golf players, they play what? All right. They keep doing it. Baseball players do what? Savior. He does what? He saves. He specializes in saving. And the problem is most Christians, all right, once we receive Jesus, we say, okay, all right, I'm ready to start the race. All right, okay, now let me start this race with him. All right, let me start this journey with the Lord. And the problem is we make the end, we make the finish line perfection. We make the finish line, one day I will never sin again. One day I will, I will never make another mistake. That's the goal. That's what we're striving for. And what you forget is that Jesus made the finish line the starting line. He ran the entire race for you. And now God is no longer looking at you as you. God is looking at you as Christ. So all these failures and all these mistakes you think God is looking at and God is going, hmm. No, Jesus took all of the looks. He took all the judgment. And now he puts you at the finish line. So this journey with God is not you trying to get it right. This journey with God is you trying to tell yourself and remind yourself and let him remind you. Hey, I am the most loved person on the face of this planet because the God of this universe sent his son to die for me. And he's never looking at one mistake I'll ever make. He will never judge me for one mistake I'll ever make. And life becomes beautiful because now you spend the rest of this life falling in love with him. And he's already in love with you. So, you know, it's on us now. We literally spend the rest of our life falling in love with him. Jesus said you don't love much because you don't think you're forgiven much. And we can't blame people. We have to stop blaming people who go to church and they say, well, how can that person, you know, they go to church. Stop blaming them and start blaming the ones in the pulpit. I can say that because I'm here. Start blaming the ones in the pulpit. If people don't love Jesus, it's not their fault. Somebody didn't tell them the truth, right? Because when you find out the truth, you rest, you relax, and you say, thank you, Jesus. You love me this much. How can I not love you this much? You did this much for me. How can I not fall in love with you? And let the Lord have fun with them. Just let them have fun with them. None of this is my message. Are you you ready for the word? Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Let's look, and this is Christmas, our Christmas Sunday. Even though it's not Christmas. Christmas Sunday. Now, I want to show you something. When it comes to when it comes to Jesus, it's always I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, I don't want to say it, but I want to say it so bad. Let's just look at Isaiah chapter nine. We won't be here very long, but I want to show you something that I found. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called. What's that word? Wonderful. He said wonderful. One more time. Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I decided, let me look up the word wonderful. I looked up all of them, but wonderful stuck out. And you know what wonderful means in the Greek, in the Hebrew? You know what it means? 
It means wonders. Now, I know that was deep, right? They go deep at Center Church. <laughs> wonders. But it's the same word used for when God does miracles. So one of the names Jesus has is miracle worker. Are you with me? Miracle worker. It's who he is. In fact, I, I didn't want to put the verse up there, but in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, when we are faithless, he is faithful. Do you know why? Because he cannot deny himself. Jesus, his title is miracle worker, which means he is obligated by the universe. <laughs> he is obligated by the very nature of who he is to do miracles in your life, to make miracles happen in your life. Do you know why? Because he cannot deny who he is. He is a miracle worker. That's what he does. Basketball players play basketball. We won't do that again. But, you know, I mean, come on. Baseball players play baseball. Jesus is a miracle worker. He is here to make miracles happen in your life. Now, Tiki, I'm sorry, Joshua, we'll edit that out of the podcast. Joshua, all right, as he prefers to be called, his life is a, such a miracle. I, and, I, you know, you may not think, I am so impressed. Auto Bell, this position, what in the world? What are you, what's, what's your title again? Oh, my gosh. When you get, prom- that's how you know he's got it made. When you get promoted, you don't even know what your, what your title is. You know? Yeah, they promoted me at work, yeah, you know. So if you need to hold on to some money, you know who to go to. All right. But anyways, Jesus is a miracle worker. Now, I don't want to get stuck here too long. Um, let's look at this real quick. Let's move along. Let's go to Matthew chapter one. Now, let's look at when Jesus was born. All right. Look what the angel says about Jesus. And uh, I think it was last year there was an issue that happened in Charlotte. We actually used this same passage. I'm not going to go into what happened last year. You might remember they had the big race issue with the police in downtown. And we actually touched on this verse last year. So I want to invite you to go back and study this passage out for yourself on your own time. But man, this passage right here is 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 slam full of revelation, I believe. OK, but let's look what happens on the night, not on the night Jesus is born. The angel Gabriel is coming to tell that Jesus will be born. All right. He comes to Joseph and he says this, Matthew chapter one, verse 20. It says, but while he thought about these things, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name. What? Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, we talk about that a lot in this church and we're going to keep talking about it because I love talking about it so much. You will call his name Jesus. Now, what is Jesus in the Hebrew? Yeshua. Yeshua. All right. In fact, I started a sentence earlier and I didn't finish and I just realized it. Okay. When you see the word save, third time, when you see the word save, go ahead and interpret it as whatever you need from the Lord. In the Greek, the word save is sozo, which comes, you know, is all, a variation is the word soteri, soteria. Okay. But sozo is the root word of the word save. So when you're reading Paul's letters and he says salvation or it says save, just go ahead and interpret it as sozo. And sozo is an all encompassing word. In fact, sozo is the Greek version of the Hebrew word shalom. Now, we won't get into shalom. That's another message for another time. But sozo literally means healing. It means prosperity. It means favor. It means protection. Whatever you need from God, sozo is what God has for you. Are you with me? So again, when you see right here, Jesus, for he will save, the word save is also the word sozo. He will sozo his people from their sins. 
Now, what's so awesome is the name Jesus right here. And I love when God hides these moments. I think God is, I think God has a sense of humor. When God hides things, the name Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua. But Yeshua literally means save. So what God said was, I'm going to name my son Saving. And he will save you from your sin. Make no mistake about it. It's so funny to me because as a Jewish person, when you see this little boy growing up, all right, you, let's say you grow up with Jesus in your neighborhood, you have to call him saving every time you see him. <laughs> God said, I'm going to name my son saving because he'll save you. <laughs> he calls his son what his son will do. Isn't it awesome? He called Abraham what Abraham would be, not what Abram was. You will be a father. So I'll call you Abraham and give you my grace. Sarah was domineering. So he said, I'll give you my grace and call you from Sarai to Sarah. I'll call you what I want you to be. Don't, don't, don't rule with an iron fist anymore. Now rule as a princess. He names her Sarah. Are you with me? God sends his son who doesn't need his name to be changed. I'll call him saving because he will save you. I love it. God has a sense of humor, right? <laughs> now, what does God call you or who does God see you in? He sees you in Jesus. He sees you in him. And it goes back to last time I shared. Last Sunday, my mom did a terrific job, didn't she? She did a terrific job, didn't she? All right. We got a lot of hits on the podcast. And I was like, really? My sermons get this many? And she just like, I felt like, I, we won't go there. Anyways, <laughs> she will bring forth the sun. Now it goes back to what we were talking about last time I shared, right? You have to be able to see it. You have to be able to see it. What does God see you as? How does God see you? Does God see you as a sick person trying to get healed? No. Does God see you as a poor person trying to get rich? No. What does God see you as? God sees you wealthy. God sees you healed. God sees you healthy. God sees everything that he's already done. It's already yours. It's a past tense thing. And the problem is the devil wants to convince you you are sick trying to get healed. Now you're fighting from defeat to try and get victory. And you've already lost. You've already lost. We're never to fight for victory. We're to stand on the victorious ground we're at. You say, well, oh, Matthew, what about this situation? Look, look, just because you fail for a second doesn't mean you've fallen for a lifetime. Get back up and remind yourself, I don't care where I'm at and I don't care what the situation is. I am not a sick person trying to get healed. I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. I was healed. Are you with me? Well, we don't have enough in our bank account right now. I am not a poor person trying to get wealth. All right. I know the grace of my Lord concerning me that though he was rich, he became poor for whose sake? My sake. That I might become rich with his riches. Are you with me? And then they call this the prosperity gospel. <laughs> this is past tense. How does God see you? You're already rich. Stop acting like you're a poor person. You're already healed. Stop acting. No, 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 no. I am healed by the stripes that Jesus had. And everyone said, amen. amen. So when God sends Jesus, he says, call him saving because he's going to save you. Now, I love the first thing he comes to do is save you from what? Sin. He comes to save you from sin. Why sin? Why not save me from sickness? Why not save me from uh, 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 you know, oppression? Why not save me from, I mean, come on, anything. Why Sin. Sin is that thing that is more, it's almost like an idea. You don't always see sin, right? You can't necessarily see it. You see the fruit of it when someone sins, but sin is something that you can't see. Why sin? Why not sickness? Why not everything else? Because you know what? Once your sin has been removed, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
And when you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his and everything else will be added to you. You see, for far too long, the church and people outside the church have been focusing on the fruit. Well, if you're sick, go do this. Or if you're struggling with this, you need to go here. You need to go there. You need to go do all these things. And they handle the fruit. But the root of the problem is sin. Jesus says, let me remove the root and the fruit will die. In this church, we want to focus on the root. And everyone said, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, apart from me, apart from my good works, apart from my mistakes. I am the righteousness of God in Christ and all the favor, all the blessing, all the protection, all the help that belongs to Jesus is mine and my family's. We are wealthy. We are healthy. We are whole. Great is the peace of my house. And my children. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I had more, but I was like, you have more verses. Maybe you should cut that off. <laughs> let's keep going. Now, I want to show you something really cool here. We're going to pick up in John real quick. Actually, let's pass this. Oh, let's pass this. Let's pick up in Luke chapter one. Can we do that? Luke chapter one for the sake of time. Because I really want to come to the end. Man, I'm excited about the end. <laughs> Six o'clock this morning, I had some time to sit down and prepare for this service, and the Lord gave me something fresh. I've never heard anyone preach before, and oh, I'm excited. So I'm going to set you up for it. Are you ready? Now, in Luke chapter 1, Luke opens up with a high priest, all right? And his name is Zechariah. Zechariah, they draw, they cast the lots. The Bible says the lot is cast by man. God determines the outcome. Whenever it came time for the priest to step in and do their priestly duties, they would always cast the lot. Okay, so when Zechariah and all the other priests are in a circle, they cast a lot. It falls on Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, his name means Yahweh or Jehovah remembers. Okay, his name is the Lord remembers. Now, before we keep going, don't and I know we don't necessarily need to say this, but because we're recording this and this is going to people who don't come to this church, let's just be very careful. God does not have bad memory. Okay, (laughs) he doesn't have a bad memory. But there's something about God's word that all throughout his Bible, he says, when I remember, then he does something. So it's not that God forgets, but God loves to be reminded of things. He loves when we remind him. He loves anything that has to do with Jesus. So when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, look what Jesus did for me at the cross. Or when you're at work and you're not even praying, you just stop for a moment and you go, man, Jesus loves me. All of a sudden that goes up as a sweet smell. And the Lord says, yes, Jesus, (laughs) he does love you. Let's do something for you. Do you understand? God loves to be reminded. He doesn't have a bad memory, but he loves when we remind him of things. He loves to be reminded. All right. Now, I'm getting ahead. I'll show you in a moment. But Zechariah, don't forget, his name means the Lord remembers. So we pick up in Luke chapter one. Zechariah, his name has been drawn. He goes into the temple to perform his priestly duties. And just so that we're all clear, Zechariah is an old man. All right. He's an old man. And when he goes in, keep in mind, his wife is also old. Her name is Elizabeth and she's barren. So we got two problems here. She's barren and old. He's old. They have no children. Now, when he goes into the house of God, the lot falls on him. When he goes into, we pick up at verse 11. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Why not the left side? Um, that's a message for another day. I won't confuse you. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You shall call his name what? John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Now, I'll show you John in just a second. In fact, I'll show you both. Watch this. I put your prayer is heard in gold because I'm going to show you in the Hebrew. I'll show you in the Greek, the tense. The tense is so important. All right. And I'm going to explain it to you. But before I do, keep in mind, this is the New King James. That's what we use mostly in our church. Your prayer is heard. Is that past tense or present? That's present tense, right? Your prayer is heard. Let me show you in the Greek. All right. In the Greek, it's an aorist indicative passive. Now, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> if you're not a Greek scholar, it might not make sense. So let me let me bring it to what the best I could understand. All right. The aorist tense or the aorist mood. OK, it actually is not your prayer is heard. It's your prayer has been heard. Are you with me? Aorist means it's a verb. It's a verb. In other words, you did something in the past, but I'm not going to talk about the how long it lasted or the end of it. In other words, you prayed something, but God never saw the end of the prayer. And you never stopped praying as far as God's concerned. Are you with me? Indicative means it's implicating something. Something's coming. There's going to be a sign coming. Passive means you're not doing something. You're being passive, right? Some people are passive aggressive. They just smile and they don't show any anger. <laughs> passive means you're not doing something. Now, what, what's the point? You put it all together. Literally in the Hebrew, what he would have said was this. The prayer that you stopped praying before God, God has heard it and God remembers. Now, what is it? Now, think about it for a moment. When I saw this man, I got excited. What is the thing that you've asked God for for years and years? And it seemed like it never happened. And you either forgot or you stopped asking God for it. Whatever it is, keep in mind, as far as God is concerned, it is still in front of him. It is still in front of him. And he hasn't forgotten. God has not forgotten. He isn't forgotten. <laughs> and Jesus has done something so powerful. Oh, man. I'm, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You shall call his name what? What's the answer to your prayers? Grace. Grace. Whatever you've asked God for and it seemed like you lost it, man, God's grace is the answer. God's grace is the answer. There's been an attack leveled against the grace of God in ways like never before. And there's nothing more than Satan saying, if we can get grace off the table, then all these prayers that they thought they were going to get answered will never get answered. I can't tell you how many. I want to be very careful. <laughs> I can't tell you how many religious groups I know that just pray and pray and pray. And they are anti the grace of God. And I just go, man, how do you think you're going to get it? <laughs> how do you think God is going to answer you? If not by grace, then it's by what you're doing. And you will never get an answer based on what you're doing. It has to be the grace of God. It has to be by Jesus and what Jesus did. Either he qualified us to talk to God or you're trying to qualify yourself and you will never be qualified. It has to be grace. God's answer to that prayer you stopped praying years ago is his grace and his grace. Once his grace comes and manifests and it is in the name of Jesus and the lives of everyone that says, I want to hear more about Jesus. I don't want to hear about me. Tell me more about the grace of God. Tell me more about Jesus to you. That prayer you stop praying in the name of Jesus will begin to manifest even before this year is out. And everyone said, you're all looking at me like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Come on. I mean, and I got so excited. I'm only 31. There hadn't been many prayers that, you know, like, <laughs> but there have been some prayers that I stopped praying because I was unsure. There's been some prayers I thought, God, well, if you didn't do it by now. And the Lord said, no, no, the prayer that you prayed, I never saw an end to it. 
It's still in front of me. I'm, oh man, the prayer that you prayed, it's still in front of me. But now because grace is here, the answer will come. Now because grace is here, the answer will come. And everyone said, oh man. Can we keep going? Let's keep going. What happens when God remembers? What happens when God remembers? Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, the first mention, the law of first mention. In this church, you know, we love to talk about the law of first mention, right? Now, just so everyone's clear, what is the law of first mention? There's a way of studying the Bible. If you want to know how God views something, you only have to go find the first time that it appears. Okay? The first time it appears, you get an idea of how God views that subject. Now, I can give you an example, but I won't. Okay? (laughs) Actually, we don't have time. Suffice to say, the first time it's mentioned, that's how God views it. Where is the first time the word remember appears in the Bible? It's in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The word right here, and God made a wind. Jewish rabbis say this, God made a wind. The word wind can also be the breath of God or the spirit of God. But the word made implies it didn't exist before. So God made a wind that was unique. My mom shared, um, I think last Sunday and the Sunday before that from, where was it? If it doesn't exist. One of the meanings of the name El Shaddai is this. If it doesn't exist, God will make something that has never existed to supply what you need. Are you with me? Right here, the word wind has the same connotation in it. It was something that did not exist at that point. So God made something that never existed so that he could supply what Noah needed in that moment. Now, what does Noah's name mean? Noah's name means rest. Isn't that interesting? Once you encounter the grace of God, now you can do nothing other than rest. Put Noah's name in. What do you see? Then God remembered rest. Isn't that powerful? And every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. Let your life be marked by how much you rest. Not how much you fight. How much you rest. Now, I know there's a lot of reasons to fight. But let your life be marked by how much you rest. I know you can say something and change the whole game. Don't. Let God fight your battle. When the Lord fights your battles, you'll find that it's not just a victory. It's a victory that never ends. You just keep winning and you keep winning and you keep winning. And I can tell you stories and testimonies, but for the sake of time, I won't. But if you will just let your life be marked by the rest, God's rest. Not just, well, I'm not going to say anything because she always gets on my nerves. No, 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 no. Choose to say, Lord, I'm going to (laughs) relax. And I'm going to trust that you're going to handle this. Let your life be marked by rest. Jesus has paid for you to enjoy victory. So watch this one more time. Then God remembered Noah, Nuach, rest, and every living thing. And he made something that didn't exist. Now let me show you this real quick. In fact, do I have it? Oh, I do have it. Can I show you one more verse? And then I'll show you some Hebrew and we'll close. Is that okay? One more verse reference. What time is it? I love you. I'm going to let you go. Genesis chapter 9, we'll make this quick, all right? Genesis chapter 9, God says, after Noah, after he makes the wind, God says, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I was a kid, I always thought God put a rainbow to remind me he'll never destroy the earth, right? I always thought that, but let's find out what God actually said. Verse 14, it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant. I will remember my covenant. Not you will. I will remember my covenant. Do you see that? Which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. 
The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I, not you, I will look on to I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said, I put a rainbow in the sky, not for you to see it, but for me. The rainbow is not for us. The rainbow is for him. And God says, when I see the rainbow, I will remember. (laughs) And what punishment should have fallen on you, it won't. Because I will see the rainbow and I will remember. Before rain comes, what do you see first? Clouds, right? Every time the enemy wants to make you think judgment's coming, God says, no, there's a rainbow there. There's a rainbow. I will never judge you. In Revelation, John looks up and he sees Jesus on the throne. He sees God on the throne and all around the throne, he sees a rainbow. In the Greek, a rainbow that's not just above it, all around like a sphere. In other words, when he looks to the right, there's a rainbow. When he looks to the left, there's a rainbow. When he looks up, there's a rainbow. When he looks at you, there's a rainbow. Everywhere he looks, there's a rainbow. Why a rainbow? Because rainbow says no more judgment. No more judgment. When God looks at you, he sees you through the rainbow. I can't judge you. I have to love you. I have to bless you. I have to. Because judgment has already been passed. Aren't you glad when God remembers? Oh, man. When God remembers, good things happen. When God remembers. In fact, the Bible says that when it came to Lot, God remembered Abraham and Lot was saved. Not God remembered Lot. God remembered Abraham and Lot was saved. And it's a beautiful picture. Abraham was on a mountain. Lot was in the valley where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And when God remembered Abraham on the mountain, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus today? At the right hand of the Father. When God looks at the Son, He sees all of us. He remembers us. And He grabs us whatever we're in. Whatever valley you find yourself in. When God looks at His Son, He remembers you and He gets you out of the place. Destruction might happen all around you. Don't claim Lot's story. That won't happen to you. All right? <laughs> but like Lot, he will grab you if he has to, and he will pull you out of there. The angels told Lot, we can't do a thing until you are gone, until you're safe. There's some places that I'm telling you, they're about to fall apart, but God says they won't fall apart as long as you are there. I will pull you out if I have to. <laughs> but as long as you're there, nothing will happen to that place. God has remembered you. In fact, the Bible says this about Rachel. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this to a close. When the Bible says about Rachel... She was overlooked and made fun of. And her sister has so many children. Her handmaidens have children. They had to think it was like eight or nine, eight kids. I mean, they're just popping these babies out left and right. And the Bible says, Rachel starts to cry within herself. God remembers her and opened her womb. God remembered her. Whatever you need from God, just, Lord, remember your son paid for it. Don't come and say, Lord, please save me. Please. I mean, if you do that, he'll, he'll answer. But <laughs> the better way, the better way is to say, Lord, remember your son did this. Don't even remind him. Remind yourself. <laughs> Jesus paid for this. You don't have to remind God. He didn't forget. Just remind yourself. Jesus paid for this. The Bible says when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, they cried out not to God. They cried out because of their bondage. God heard their crying, not to him. He heard their crying. He remembered the covenant he made with Abraham, their great, great, great grandfather. So he sent the deliverer. I'm telling you, just remind yourself. (laughs) Jesus paid for this. And the more you remind yourself, it's like God is remembering. He will always move for you. Now, can I show you this word in the Hebrew? We'll close, right? Is that all right? Let me show you this word in the Hebrew. The word remember in Hebrew is the word zakar. Say zakar. Now, in Hebrew, there are no vowels. Everything is all consonants, all right? 
which kind of makes it hard to understand the older versions of Hebrew, but we won't go there, all right? The Hebrew word for remember is the word zakar. Now, zakar is three Hebrew letters. And don't forget, Hebrew reads from right to left, okay? So we have zayim is the word, the letter on the right, kaf is the middle letter, and resh is on the left. Now, I'm going to show you the words. We'll define them, and then we'll go home. Sound good? One more time. Zayim, kaf, resh. Are you ready? Zakar, remember. Watch this. Zayim means nourish or food. Nourishment or food. And keep in mind, when God remembers, good things always happen. So let's remember. Zayim means nourish or food. Kaf means open. In fact, if you look at it, it's a backward C, right? But some pictures say it's an open hand. But whatever it is, it's open. Whatever it is, it's, it's something is open. Okay? So you have nourish and you have open. And resh is head. If you remember, uh, the Jewish New Year, they call it Rosh Hashanah. Instead of Rosh Hashanah, they call it Rosh Hashanah. Rosh or Resh means head. Hashanah, year. Head of the new year. Husbands, you are the head of the house. One. One. <laughs> one. Thank you, sir. My wife's not in here, so I can say a few more things. <laughs> so anyways, Resh speaks of the head. Okay? So we have nourish, open, head. What in the world does that mean? I was meditating on this, and all of a sudden I realized I saw it. When God remembers, good things happen. Why? Because the nourishment, all right, open, the nourishment comes in the opening of the head. Now, you're probably thinking, what in the world? <laughs> Matthew just made this up. The nourishment comes in the opening of the head. When I saw that, I thought, Lord, I'm not going to use Hebrew this morning. And all of a sudden, I had a picture of Jesus flashed in my mind. I had a picture of Jesus when they put the crown of thorns where? And his head was put open. Are you, are you with me? When Adam sinned, God said the curse now falls on the ground for you. Now thorns and thistles the ground will bring forth. The very thing that is cursed, they put it into his head. Why? Because then when it was pushed into his head, the blood came from his head and his head became opened. The curse that should have fallen on you fell on his head. And now, now the nourishment comes in the opening of the head. The very place where judgment fell on him is now where God's favor rests on you. When God remembers you, oh man, God will always move for you. God will always move for you. And it's not, well, he might move today, he might not move tomorrow. Let me say this. He moves because he loves you. But for the ones who think, what if he doesn't love me? He is legally obligated to move for you. If you don't believe, thank you. If you don't believe me, Three weeks ago, we preached a sermon on it. <laughs> we have one CD left in the back. God is legally obligated. Well, what about faith, Matthew? When you are faithless, he is because he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. I'm telling you, this Christmas season, let me say this. There's already plenty enough reason for stress. There's already plenty enough reason to fight a few people. By the grace of God, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But in spite of everything that's going on during this season, remember, it's not about it's not about all this. It's about who? Jesus. God ordained that we should have one month, just one month out of 12, that the whole world should remember the birth of his son. It's not about things. It's about Jesus. And you know what? During this holiday season, before this year closes, I'm as God is my witness. I'm telling you, when I saw this this morning, I could have ran laps around my house. When I saw this, the, I'm telling you, the, the, I felt so impressed by the Holy Spirit. He said this, expect me to do something before the year is out. Don't wait for 2019. 
Stop waiting. Too many people are letting the future rob them of the present. And too many people in the past have let the past rob them of the present. Don't let it rob you. Before 2019 is finished, know this. God remembers you. But more than remembering you, he remembers the covenant that his son made at the cross for you. And expect him to do something for you. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you for your truth. In you, sin has been annihilated. Sin is not an issue. So this morning, Father, whatever your people need, I thank you that it's already been released to them by your grace. Whatever we need this morning, Father, I thank you it's already been released to them by your grace. If you would, just take a second real quick, just a moment, just to say out loud, Father, I receive this or I receive that. Whatever it is, just receive it right now by his grace. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that right now this morning, everything that we need, we receive it this morning by your grace. We are unworthy, but Jesus, you qualified everyone in here. You qualified everyone in here. So, Father, anyone that would look at this Christmas season and think, well, I don't have enough. I thank you that you will make them sufficient this year. You will oversupply what they need this year, Father. 2018 is not done yet. So, Father, we receive. We receive it this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.